Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, the exponential success coach and president of Dynamic Leader Incorporated. Today, I have with me uh, someone where you could say, what, really? Like, what's a 19-year-old kid going to teach us about leadership and coaching and life lessons? Uh, And I will tell you that Logan Lesser has packed more into uh, the time from uh, seven years old to 19 than most of us do in a decade or two. Um, And with that, let me introduce a motocross champ, a uh, a high-level coach, a um, life philosopher, and so much more, uh, 19-year-old Logan Lesser. Welcome to One Sharp Sword. Hey, Dr. Wayne. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for the intro. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. I uh, So I have the benefit of not knowing that much about you. I know what I've yeah. read about you. And I call it a benefit because I get to simply explore with our audience, like, who's this Logan dude and what makes him so special? And usually, you know, when I get people who are 50, 60 years old, I'm like, well, let's back up the clock. Let's wind, you know, wind back a little bit. Where'd you start? And, um, you know, winding back the clock with you is what, to age seven, where you're like, hey, I (laughs) like motorcycles. Yeah. So how, how did it start for you? You know, you're where are where'd you kind of get your start in motocross and how has that turned into leadership lessons for you? Yeah, no, I started in racing at a really young age, but I was basically just brought into it through the family because my whole family is full of racers, like both my mom and dad raced and so did uh my dad's brother and and his son so my whole family has just been full of racers and then i kind of just got brought into it and then as soon as i got put on a bike i just fell in love with it and started racing and yeah i mean i wouldn't say that i had like i did have a choice because i did do a lot of different sports like the usual team sports and um i've always done other sports like skiing snowboarding mountain biking things like that but the only one that i've like really competed in is motocross and racing which i just that was always my favorite like i competed in like basketball that was the only other one that i really competed in but i just ended up like one day i came back from practice and i was like all right i'm done with this like i don't like it i don't like the team aspect of it like i'd like being independent in the individual aspect behind racing um, and how it's kind of all on you. So I just always loved the sport of motocross and racing. So that's kind of how I got my start is just through the family. That's amazing. Um, And the whole idea of individual versus team, I mean, that's a, that is a big deal. It is, there's, you know, there's a piece of it's all on you. Um, There's heavier competition because it is, all on you um and then you miss out to a degree of playing with other people um you know relying on and lifting other teammates at the same time you have a team but they're in support of you right anybody who's working on your bike or you know getting you there whatever it is um 
when you like you you're very uh physical i mean moto motocross racing is a very physical sport you have to yeah. be in tune with your bike you have to be like your core your back your arms legs that's all it's all part of you become the bike at that point yeah um talk about that a little bit like how how that like not every bike speaks to you and how do you become kind of one with and then are you competitive at absolutely everything or is it mostly just this one thing yeah, no, I don't know if anybody who's competitive can only be competitive at one thing. Like you're kind of just competitive at everything. So, and I definitely am like, whenever I do something, I kind of look to be the best at it. So, uh, no, I'm a very, very competitive person, but no, you hit it on the dot there. Like with racing, the best thing that you can do is become one with the bike. And it's very difficult to do and, and tricky to kind of figure out, which over time, what I've really learned and something that I push on like my social media and share a lot is the mental aspect behind it and racing, because that's like probably the biggest part when it comes to being one with the bike, because aside from the fact that like, uh, if you were to search up like the most physically demanding sports, motocross is like number one or number two or something like that. So it's arguably the most physically demanding and it, it, like you said, it involves like every single part of the body and muscles that most people don't even realize exist. Um, so it's very, very physically demanding, especially when you get to like the pro ranks, which is you're out there on the track racing for 30 minutes plus two laps, just nonstop going. And the average heart rate is like 180 beats per minute. So that is like unheard of with most sports, because even with team sports, like when you get tired or fatigued, you kind of get swapped out with your teammates and you get a break. So you're only really going at it for maybe a couple minutes at a time. Whereas with racing, when you get to the pro ranks, it's like 30 minutes, 30 to 35 minutes straight of absolute pushing and also having to focus the entire time. Because if you lose focus for even a split second, that track will bite you and take you down, which I've had that happen plenty of times. So there is a massive, massive mental aspect behind it, especially when it comes to being one with the bike and being able to ride it the way that you need to. Obviously, you need to learn all the techniques and, and the specifics of actually being able to ride. But once you get to a certain level, and I heard an Olympic swimmer say this, once you get to a certain level, everybody's talented, everybody's got the skill, they know what they're doing, and they know how to do it. Um, and at that point, it's like 80% mental and 20% skill. So it's like 80% how you show up mentally and also how you are performing out there mentally. Because being able to be out there for 30 to 35 minutes and stay focused and not let things want, not let your mind wander or let fears get in your head. Or if you got passed by a competitor, not let that overwhelm you and bother you. Um, and even like mistakes, like it's, in uh, the movie Ford versus Ferrari, he um, God, I'm totally spacing the main guy's name in it, but he talks about the perfect lap and like how the perfect lap is out there. But when you're doing 30, 35 minutes, most likely you're doing probably 15 to 20 laps, give or take quite a few. Um, so to be out there, like the perfect lap is almost impossible, which means you're going to be making a lot of mistakes. And one of the hardest things for me in the past was being able to kind of push through those mistakes and let them go versus making the mistake and then getting super irritated with myself and bothered. And then that leads to the next mistake and the next and the next and the next. So the biggest part of it is definitely the, the mental side, which that's been my biggest challenge over the years. 
Um, but luckily that's something that I have really been able to um, come into my own on and figure out these last like two years or so. And that's the stuff you coach on, right? When, when people reach out to you and you coach them, you're, you're about keep your head in the game kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like my biggest thing is definitely the, uh, the mindset side and not only with racing, but just in general, um, like there's, I've just learned a lot over the years from running my business as well as obviously racing and traveling the world on my own that, like the mindset side of things and how you view the world and your perspective on things is extremely, extremely important. Being able to control your reactions and your emotions and just overall, just having a really, really strong mind. Cause I think that that is the number one thing. And it's funny because for the longest time, like all these really successful people and these rich people and those who are like the most successful in whatever area, most of the time they're always talking about how like the foundation is your mindset and you need to have that mindset. And I've been to uh, multiple of the like entrepreneur conferences with some some really high level speakers and it's funny how much they talk about mindset and in the past I would kind of blow it off and I'd be like come on can you get to the tactical stuff and the strategies and those types of things but then I realized like how important it actually the mindset side of it actually is so that's like the main thing that I talk about because it was the biggest shift that I've had thus that's far fantastic it's great to hear you talk this way you know the my world is one of speaking and coaching. And um, one of the things I'll talk about is mind state. So that so that it's more it so that it sounds more fluid, like mind state is, you're allowed to shift state multiple times. And if you shift out, can you shift right back as you were talking about for letting mistakes go? And, and for me, mind state is, that's like everything you can't have connection to anything, even a spiritual connection, if your mind yeah. state's not like locked in. Um, you also said, you know, you talked about letting mistakes go. And that's one of the things that some of the highest performers talk about in terms of like Tim Grover, who's uh, coached some of the, the highest performing athletes. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, okay, so you won a championship next you know it's like okay so you lost that one next and for you i imagine it's all right i'm not done with this lap i just you know like my revs were too high or the tire hit just that bit off okay like it's just it registers as it's information it's not oh you dumb you know whatever it's like it doesn't it doesn't play as as uh you know, someone scolding you, it plays as, oh, there's information that needs to be corrected. Yeah, no, definitely. And like you're making, you make mistakes in all areas, you know, in like with business or just like in everyday life. And then also with racing. And I think there's different ways to approach different situations because on the track, like one thing for me, and I talk about this a lot, which is like getting in the zone or getting into that, clicking into that flow state and to where like your riding is effortless and easy and you're just flowing perfectly. And it almost feels like uh, I actually heard the uh, guy say it in the new movie, Gran Turismo, and he just hit it on the dot. But he was talking about how like when they're racing their cars and they're in the zone, it's almost like the car is on rails, like on a roller coaster. And you're just like perfectly going along. And that was like perfect. It's almost like your bike's on rails and you're just flowing and not making mistakes. And even if you make a mistake, you just push through it. And being in the zone and being in that flow is like you're just 
you're not even, you're not thinking at all. And you're kind of just like, you're just doing your thing. And you are on the bike. Obviously you do have to think as you go and you have to like see what's in front of you and things are happening very, very quickly. And you're moving really fast and you're coming into bumps and and ruts and all kinds of different terrain that is extremely extremely tough to get through and you got to major speeds and you got to be able to make those quick decisions but you're almost not even thinking about it but you're reacting the right way so it's kind of hard to explain but it's just that being in the zone and being in flow which when you make a mistake out there like the way that I do it is I'm not analyzing like why I made that mistake or anything while I'm out there. It's more of literally letting it go. And funny enough, like the strategy that I've learned that actually works quite well for me in terms of that specifically is like called the let go breath, which if I make a mistake or like you said, the like shifting in and out of different mind states, if I shift out of the zone or I get out of the zone or I get out of flow state for a bit and I kind of my mind starts racing, then I'll simply just do like this breath where I just breathe in. And like, I imagine saying, or while I'm out there, I'll even say it out loud where I basically say let as I breathe in. And then as I breathe out, I'll say go. And basically I'm just letting go of everything. Like if I just made a mistake, then I do that and I let go of it. And then I can just move on from it. And if I, um, if my mind starts racing or thinking of something else or starts getting nervous or whatever it is, then I use that to kind of let go of whatever those thoughts are. And then I can kind of recenter and regroup back to the zone or getting back into flow or getting back into that, that mind state that I needed to be in. So that's specifically what I use, but, um, but yeah, it's almost like you're not really thinking out there, but at the same time you are, and it's kind of hard, it's kind of a hard phenomenon to explain, uh, when you're in the zone like that, but it's it uh, actor observer, you know, like you're in the moment and there's a part of you watching you in the moment. Uh, but yeah. mostly you're in the moment, you know, it's like, that's, yeah. that's awesome. I use, uh, you know, there, there are times that people will just kind of get into this negative thinking kind of cycle. And, and I will, uh, encourage people to say out loud, reset, reset. And you just like, you're commanding yourself to get this reset of your mind state. And I love let go because you've commanded yourself. You've, you've trained yourself that that's the key to almost a, a meditative flow for you. Like we're in it again, let's go. Right. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, let's talk drama a little bit, you know, um, just cause that's fun. Uh, you know, there have been, it's not, you don't just choose to pump your heart rate up to 180 beats a minute. That's like, <laughs> that's tachycardia and it's scary. And most, you know, if you did that in a hospital, they'd be working hard to bring your heart rate down. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't start there. It's sort of like you're on. And then when do you, when do you hit that? Like, is it your first jump? Is it your uh is it as soon as the gun goes out like when is when do you hit holy crap i'm feeling my my heart rate race you know it's like when does that happen for you yeah in uh in practice i would say it's probably a little more gradual it doesn't like happen as quickly but in the race it's almost immediate because you're on the starting gate and there's 40 if the starting gate's full then there's 41 other riders directly next to you and you all are going off at the exact same time so to be honest i think that heart rate really starts to go up when that uh 
that 30, basically they hold up the 30 second board. There's somebody out like a hundred feet in front of us holding up the board. And as soon as they hold that thing up, like your heart starts pumping. And then when they bring it down and turn it, that means that there's probably like three to five seconds before the gate is going to drop. And that's probably like the most, that's where your heart rate probably spikes massively because that's when you go from kind of like relaxed to then all of a sudden you're looking straight down at the starting gate, waiting for it to drop. And the you're revving up the bikes. The RPMs are super high. You can hear everybody else next to you. Yeah. And then that gate drops and we're all going into the first corner side by side, 42 of us on these powerful machines going probably 40, 50 miles an hour into the corner. So I'd say that like that start is the is where your heart rate spikes really, really quickly. And then that entire first lap is like you are you're kind of you're I, I think your heart rate already hits 180 on that very, very first lap and is probably the highest out of the whole race because that's when the most chaos is happening. Because that's when everybody is bunched together and everybody's making passes and making moves and making things happen quickly. Whereas like as the race goes on, most of the time, that's when things start to spread out a bit and everybody kind of gets into whatever like the position is that their speed is getting them to or just everything's a bit more spread out and you're kind of able to ride your own race a little bit more. Whereas that first lap is just chaotic. So no, uh, <laughs> I think that's when the heart rate really spikes the first time. And it probably hits upwards of like 190, 200 in that first lap. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever feel like um, you're missing that adrenaline rush? Because I mean, your heart rate spikes because you're the adrenaline kicks in, right? So yeah. It's like, you know, when you're when you're not on a bike day to day, week to week, I don't know if you're on a bike every single day or if it's, you know, you have a couple of days off and you start to get twitchy. Do you ever feel like oh, I need to be back on my bike? Does that ever hit you? I will say that over the years I have found that like I do get bored very easily and it's hard for things to really um amuse me or for me to get much enjoyment out of things that most people get enjoyment from. And I think that's also what led me into like my business and stuff is because that's also very chaotic and you're always doing different things every day and you're always growing it. So it's kind of always exciting seeing the next thing happen and moving forward. So I, I got enjoyment and I genuinely like enjoyed working on my business and growing that and like working on it every single day. Like I did enjoy that. So that gave me that enjoyment, not necessarily the same like adrenaline rush, but aside from that, like I do all kinds of different things that kind of gives me that adrenaline, like jet skiing, wakeboarding, mountain biking, snowboarding. And then I've traveled to South Africa on my own and lived there like three months at a time, I think like six or seven times now. And, um, so like that in and of itself is quite the adventure. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I've gone hiking down there and then uh, like paragliding, uh, shark cage diving. So I do all kinds of things that are just kind of adrenaline rushes. But then I also like to relax, you know, and watch movies and stuff. So I have found it is hard to like it's hard to find enjoyment in the simple stuff sometimes. But uh but yeah, but it is nice to chill every now and then. But in terms of like being on the bike and everything, if I'm at a training facility, which I'm not at the moment, but if I am, then we're riding probably four or five days a week. So we're on the bike and, and going. And then aside from that, you're like training in the gym and like doing runs outside and stuff basically every day. 
So you're still getting that heart rate up and the adrenaline rushing. Like right now, like today, I I didn't ride today because I'm just home at the moment. But like today, I even I went to the gym, did my weight workout, which that got my heart rate up quite a bit. But then I took like a few hours and just did some work and everything. But then I went back and did an hour run on the treadmill. Um, so that got my heart rate up and everything. So, I mean, I definitely keep it up quite a bit and I do things like that, which those types of things do give me that like fulfillment and that feeling of accomplishment because it's like, man, that was hard. And I, I just did that. I just killed it. So, um, so yeah, I've kind of found what, what brings me those, that fulfillment and stuff. So it's not (laughs) really an issue. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, Let's talk about your business. You know, you, you started a business, um, you started it when you were 15, if I remember correctly, from what I read. Uh, yeah. What What is the business? How's it doing now? Where do you see it going? Yeah, so when I was 15, that's like what got me into the online business stuff. But when I started, I, I was I think I was 16 um, or I was cl- I was going on 16 when I actually started like my actual business, which is a marketing agency. And basically it's gone pretty well the last few years. And that's what took me down to South Africa is because my business partner at the time who I started it with, he lives down there. So I ended up going down there to uh, meet up with him and work with him and everything, which funny enough, him and I actually just met online through Instagram and he mentored me for a while and then invited me to join him to start this agency. So I did. And then after working together for like two years or so, that's when I finally went down to Cape or, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and then every other time I went to Cape Town, but Johannesburg the first time to actually meet him in person. And uh, yeah, but no, it's gone well the the last few years. And it's definitely, it's kind of a side gig for me right now. And it's kind of slowly um, drifting away a bit because now I'm getting back into racing again. And I'm also building like my, my personal brand and getting into the coaching side of things as well. So I've kind of just shifted my priorities and kind of where I'd like to, where I see myself in the next few years and what I want to be doing. Um, but no, the last few years have been really good. And like, it, it's been a massive learning experience. And I've definitely had a lot of really cool experiences by doing that business. So no, it's been, it's been good. That sounds good. Um, so let's talk about your personal brand. Let's talk about your coaching business. And just to plant the seed, you're 19, right? So where do you see yourself when you're 25? Because growth between now and like 25 years old, it's a, it's a huge stage of development for everybody, no matter how advanced you are. So just curious about where you see yourself going. Yeah. I mean, in the next four or five years, I'm just going to be, I really found that like building a personal brand, I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do nowadays. And I also think that it's not something that'll ever go away or, or be able to be replaced by anything. Like for example, a lot of skills that even a lot of skills I've learned over the last few years, like from my business and everything is soon getting, and is already getting replaced by AI, which has been kind of scary, but a personal brand can never be replaced by anything, not even AI, because it's you and your thoughts and your personality and who you are. And it doesn't matter how good AI gets, it's not going to be able to replace you as a person. 
Um, so I think it's one of the most powerful things that you can build. And I absolutely love it. Like I just, I love posting videos. I love kind of sharing my insights on things. I love building my following and all of that. And it's kind of like the new age way of becoming a celebrity or whatever, which is also kind of cool, but it also goes with my racing because before I was like, like the end of last year, I decided, all right, I'm going to put racing away. Uh, for now or for a while and I'm going to go all in on my business because that's what I want to do and then I found that like after being away from it for a while I kind of realized how much I missed it and everything and I also just thought long and hard and I was like I don't really want to be one of those people who made a bunch of money and is traveling the world and runs a marketing agency just because I do find that kind of boring and that's just my perspective and I'm used to racing and being like, I've won like 15 state championships in Colorado, a national, an amateur national championship. And then like, I've always been kind of in that limelight and kind of been looked up to. And like, I've been the guy in Colorado and then going on to like running a marketing agency, it was just a very big shift and went from like kind of cool to very boring. <laughs> so <laughs> then uh, I just decided I was like, man, And I didn't see a future with racing. That was the thing. Like, I just didn't see a future with it in terms of making money and like living the life I wanted to, because it's like the chances of actually going pro and everything is so slim. So that's why I went into the agency side. But then I kind of discovered the power of building a personal brand and how possible it is and what you can do with it and helping others and coaching and all these types of things. And then I connected the dots and I was like, I want to race and I want to be the best in that. And I also found this thing that'll actually benefit from me racing and becoming the best in it because the better I do with racing, the more my personal brand can grow and the more authority I have and all of that. So I kind of found this way that I can go all in on racing and try to become the absolute best out there and still have this business that is actually growing more and more because of that. And that's kind of like, like my income and all of that. And then this is also just what I absolutely love to do. So long story short, in like four or five years, what I ideally want to see myself doing is racing for um, factory KTM. And then also having like a following of 500,000 to a million people on social media, like across different platforms and just making like a full time income or really good income from that and just helping people with the things that I've learned and experienced. That's great. That's great. You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event www.exponentialsuccesssummit.com. I'm curious about the coaching. You know, how do yeah. people access you? Who are you coaching? Uh, you know, what are what are the key areas that you're coaching? Um, you know, I could see it in I could see kind of the mindset work be 
for anybody. At the same time, I'm curious about who's found you and who's your ideal client. Yeah, so I definitely pertain to a younger audience because I'm obviously very young, but specifically like who I'd like to work with is athletes and and racers specifically because that's obviously where my experience lies. But then also anybody who is kind of just looking to be the best in whatever area that is, whether it's business, racing, just any type of sport or anything like that. And the biggest area that I help with is definitely the mindset side of it. Um, because that's just where I've had the biggest shift. And then I also help people when it comes to getting in, in shape and, um, kind of focusing on their macronutrients and going to the gym and giving them like a actual fitness plan and all of that, because I've been able to do that and get in really, really good shape. So helping them with that, but, but yeah, no, the mindset side of it is definitely the biggest thing with being able to perform better if you're a racer and being able to perform better just as an athlete in general. But also just to be able to kind of go every day and handle things the way that I believe is the best in terms of your mindset and kind of how you view things and your perspective, being able to handle the different emotions and react to things the best way that you can. So yeah, the mindset side is definitely the biggest thing, but my home base is just my Instagram, which is just Logan underscore lesser. And that's kind of where people can like find me and I'm posting there every day. But, uh, but yeah, no, those are kind of my key areas. Uh, it's amazing. All right. Logan underscore lesser L E S S A R. Uh, want to find Logan on Instagram. Um, what pisses you off? What gets you like, you know, you talk about mindset and still, you know, I'm pretty good at it. I'm, you know, uh, um, pretty good. It takes a lot to get me angry. It takes a lot to get me like even mildly upset. And yet some things yeah. creep in, right? For you, mindset's a thing and you've got to keep an even focus. And because you're so practiced at it, uh, my guess is it's hard to get you, you know, riled up about a lot unless it's, uh, I'm going to guess unless it's like some personal integrity breach or unless it's kind of like a challenge, right? That it's like, grr. Uh, so what is it that, that kind of riles you up or or gets you even like pissed off, like angry? Uh, I think the number one person who can still very easily piss me off is my little brother. But aside from that, aside from that, and I've gotten really good with that, but aside from that, I will say it is very difficult. And my parents have both even like said this, like it is very difficult to really get me actually angry to where I react to it. Um, which I mean, I obviously still do, but it's very rare. And yeah, it does have to do with kind of the, the respect thing. Like if somebody is giving me some serious disrespect or something like that, then that's kind of when I, uh, get kind of irritated. But to be honest, one thing that I also talk about a lot, which I strongly believe in is ever, a lot of people have this perspective, which I used to as well of chasing like happiness and chasing that like feeling or that emotion or that state or whatever. But at the end of the day, like everybody, and, and they also view certain emotions as bad, like anger, sadness, depression, or whatever. Like they look at those things as bad. Whereas I just look at those things as being human. Like every single person is going to feel the different range and different states and emotions and everything. And most likely you're going to feel a lot of different ones throughout every single day. But one thing I've learned is to be able to use every single emotion to your advantage. So I personally absolutely love being pissed off and feeling angry. 
But specifically for me, I just make sure that I never direct that towards any other person. And if I'm angry or pissed off about anything, I won't take it out on anybody else. And I'll still be like super kind and respectful to others, but I'll direct that anger towards like my work or if I'm at the gym, like even today when I was on the treadmill, like I'll use that anger and, and I'll like, I will uh, manufacture anger and get pissed off on purpose in order to fire myself up and, and to run on that treadmill faster and to push harder and everything. So I think it's important to be able to use the different emotions and then like other ones like sadness or heartbreak, which heartbreak is probably one of the most powerful ones, which I've been dealing with that a little bit lately, but I've just been using it because it just makes me want to be better and to become better. And it just motivates me to become that better person. And specifically with heartbreak, like if it's a, a girl who broke your heart or something like that, then you can use that to basically be like, I'm going to become so good that she'll see me in the future and wish that she didn't mess that up or wish that she still had me in her life or whatever that is. Like she'll see me as, as way better or something like that. Um, but no, I just, overall, I love using all the different emotions and I feel all the different emotions throughout the day. And sometimes I'll even manufacture them on purpose. Like I love the feeling of heartbreak, of anger, and even of sadness, because those are like the ones that I, that motivate me the most and get me the most motivated. Cause to be honest, when you feel joyful and kind of happy and stuff, you're almost comfortable and it's harder to do the hard things. Like if you're joyful and kind of happy, you don't really feel like sitting at your computer and working on that video or working on whatever it is or going to the gym and really working out and stuff. Like you feel good and comfortable. But when you're like really angry and pissed off, like if you see somebody online who is absolutely killing it and doing so much better than you are and is 10 steps ahead of you, but it's younger than you, that'll piss you off and make you want to work harder and make you want to beat them and pass them or whatever it is. So I love using the different emotions and like manufacturing them if I can to use them. That's awesome. I have a different approach. And I, I think that uh, every approach is, is reasonable, you know, that, that joy is what drives me, actually, like I wake up and I am uh, unreasonably perky. Um, yeah, <laughs> right? I, I annoy I annoy people with my perkiness. I'm like, let's go. It's a great day. It's time to do this. <laughs> and that actually, like, I'm I'm drawn towards the things that I love because of that. There are others in the world, and I I just I wanted to point this out because everybody has a different style. Yeah. Um, and and to be able to have our listeners and our viewers be able to say, oh yeah, that's more like me, or oh yeah, I get that, right? I get what Logan's doing. Um, because there are those that need to push against and push against. And it's like, oh, I am so not that. I'm going to show them. And yeah. um, right. And that's that is super useful to push against. It's also super amazing to be drawn toward. And I think there's a time for both. Um, at some point, you get to a place where you go, huh, I no longer need to show them. I'm doing this for me. And it's like, yeah. they right the people the people that you're going to show and they'll wish this and they'll wish that they become vapor because the vision of where you're headed becomes so strong and and that's an amazing state yeah. as well so um i just i'm i'm glad you said all of that because it it uh it allows for some leadership lessons along the way and that is kind of what i i fold into my podcast is uh, no matter who i'm interviewing it's yeah it's like, there's always a great leadership lesson. What other lessons 
might we offer our listeners, viewers at this point? Like, what have you picked up along the way that's that's like, you know what? If if I had one to three things to tell people, this would be these would be the things, or this would be the key thing. Yeah, I will say one of the most powerful ones for me, which it's funny because I see uh so many other people even my family members who have not learned this yet Mm -hmm. and it's been very very powerful for me and i didn't understand it at all at first and it was actually my my previous business partner who helped me understand this and he's the one who taught it to me but it's the idea of just remaining in a state of calm at all times and i didn't get it at first because i was it was when i first went to johannesburg the first time and i had first met him in person and everything and he got to experience me in person as well cuz before then it was all virtual like we would hop on calls together or message and all that so we didn't really experience what each of us was like in person so he got to see me and kind of see how i react to things and i was only 17 at the time so um which is kind of funny because i was only two years ago but i mean hey a lot happens in two years but uh but no i was very emotional and i would react to things very emotionally back then and he's the one who taught me not to do that and specifically he would tell me like that I need to control my emotions a lot more and remain in a state of calm, which I didn't understand because he would basically say like, even when something really, really good happens or if something really, really bad happens, you need to just stay calm and not get too excited and everything, which I disagreed with him at first. Cause I was like, yeah, but I want to feel that excitement. Like that sounds like such a depressing way to live, just staying like calm all the time and not feeling so excited and everything. But then I actually realized how powerful it is because now, like regardless of how I feel or regardless of what happens, I remind myself to just stay in a state of calm. And if something amazing happens or something goes really, really well, then I'll still stay relaxed and stay calm with it. And I'm still excited about it and I'm still super pumped, but I still keep my emotions in check and stay calm. But the same thing happens if something really bad happens or like if a client left um, or like disputed a charge or if I lost a massive race or whatever it is, like I still remind myself to stay in that state of calm and just stay like this at all times. Because all of us kind of knows that that person who is, uh, when they're happy, they're like the happiest person on the planet. Like they are the most positive, happy, like everybody wants to be around them. But then on the flip side, when they are not and they are unhappy or mad or whatever, like they are like a demon, like they're horrible. And they get like on the opposite end of the spectrum and they're like way down here. And I think that that's like a big thing is if you can just stay in this state of calm at all times then you're just able to react to things a lot better and you're not having that like massive jump all the time, which I think is really, really important because having that like emotional control and, and being able to react to things the right way, it comes from like being calm. And I had a conversation about this with, uh, with someone in my family actually, and they were like heavily disagreeing with me and we were actually getting into a pretty heated argument, but we were talking about a problem that he was having in his business at the time. And it was like massive, massive problem. And uh, I was basically, he he was telling me how he would deal with so much stress and it, he'd like wake up in nights with night sweats and all this stuff. And it'd be freaking him out all the time. And he'd be all anxious and all these things. And I was just explaining this concept. And I was like, all right, say you had two people who were dealing with the same exact problem 
one person is reacting to it. And like when something goes wrong, they're freaking out, getting super angry. They start drinking to try and help it. They're waking up with night sweats. They can't sleep. They're super stressed out. They're freaking out. They're getting angry at people trying to fix it. And then the other person who's dealing with the same problem, they're able to stay in the state of calm and they're looking at it and they're like, all right, this isn't ideal. I wish this didn't happen, but what can we do to fix it? Like, what are the best ways for us to try and get through this in the best way and have the best outcome possible and just overall staying calm? And I was like, which person would come out of this situation the best? And he still wanted to disagree with me. And he'd be like, well, you don't understand. Like, you're not blah, blah, blah. And you're only 19 or whatever. And I was like, yeah, but this this is common sense. Like, obviously, person number two would handle it better. So I I was just trying to explain like that concept and just kind of reminding yourself, regardless of the situation, to be like, okay, let's stay calm with this and let's try and figure out the best like logical way out of it. But that's been the biggest thing for me. And it also just helps in general because then you're not like feeling those really heavy feelings of like sadness or depression or things like that. Because after a while, when you're practicing like staying calm and having a very calm reaction to whatever it is, then things don't really phase you. It's actually going back to like me getting pissed off with things. Like most things don't really phase me because I practice this like calm all the time that things that used to really bother me or get me super emotional. Now I kind of just brush it off and I'm like, does that really matter? Like, is that, is this thing that just happened going to matter in five years? No. Well then I'm not going to care about it for the next five seconds. Like that's I'm just going to huge. That's a, that is a, uh, it's a it's a huge tool, actually. If you can put yourself in that place of this thing that happened, is it really going to matter in the big scheme of things? Yeah. You know, this person said something negative about me, or or this person took something of mine, or this person, you know, did something to you know to upset whatever work I was doing. Yeah. In the big scheme of things, five years from now, is it going to matter? No. Okay. So. Let's get in and fix it, right? Let's yeah. just right. So that's really great. The um, you know, I'm a big fan of choosing your emotional state. Yeah, and and it's like there will be times that you can say, "Now's the time to let go." Like I'm invested in this sports team. I want to be cheering for them, or I'm in- invested in my business. I want to be cheering for how we did this, or. Um, dang, we lost something and that's, you know, yeah, we can feel bad. But then the question is, and this is, you know, this is something I pose to, to others. And I do live by this. How long do I choose to feel that? Right. And it's sort of like, if someone's like, oh, but you don't understand this and this and this happened. It's like, cool. How long do you choose to feel that way? Like, do you need yeah. five minutes or 15 minutes or 15 days, uh, to feel that so that you can actually take care of what needs to be taken care of. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, so I love Logan. I love that in one breath, you're saying, you know, you're human, you get to experience all the emotions. And then the other breath you're saying, um, and I choose to stay calm because all of that is, is a hundred percent within our ability to do as a human, we can experience and choose at the same time. And I think that that's, it's just a huge, um, you know, lever to be able to use in your personal life. You know, it's like, if you feel like you are 
being triggered, for example, that's a cue to pay attention to where you're feeling fear or lack. Like somebody yeah. triggered me, grr. It's like, well, then you're off balance, right? If you got triggered by someone else, you're off balance. So, you know, what's going to get your balance back? Because you're, you know, you let go to fear and to, and to you know, this lack feeling versus knowing who you are. And for you, like you, you wake up every day knowing that you're a champion. You wake up every day doing the things that are required to keep you at a champion level, which, which, you know, sometimes for some people, that's the hard stuff for you. It's like, that's just what I do. Today was yeah. work day. And, you know, not only did I do weights, but I did an hour on the treadmill. It's like, that's a lot of work, but that's <laughs> your job. Right. And that's what drives you, which is, which I think is cool because again, this comes back to what's the self-talk. It's just like, this is what I do. So yeah, exactly. Uh, right. I love all of that. I love all of that. Um, cool. What else? Like, if you were, you know, like the keep calm thing is really good. Is there maybe one more nugget you got in there that that you want to share? Uh, I'm going to have to think on that one. And I was actually going to say, like, yeah, I really love the being able to control your emotions and stuff. Because that was one thing that, like, when it clicked for me, I was like, whoa. Like, you can actually decide how you're going to feel about certain things, you know, yeah. like I would practice it when I would land like a client or something or not land a client, but when I would like lose a client with my agency and stuff. And I'd be like, if I lose a client, I would basically literally like almost say out loud, like I am going to feel fine about this. Like I'm going to feel fine about this. And not only that, but it's probably for the best that they left. Like, who knows? I might've just, yes. I might've just ditched a, a massive headache because of that. And also, um, a good example of that is in this actually, yeah, this is the the thing or the answer to your question is being able to look at the positive in any situation because there always is. And everybody see, or most people always divert to the negative side of things. Um, and a prime example of how I did this, this past weekend was I hadn't raced in over a year and technically I still have not raced in over a year. And this past weekend was supposed to be my first race back. And I'd been training for it for the last few months. I was super pumped for it, super excited. It was a local race and it was like the championship for the local series. And like, I hadn't raced at all. So I wasn't like in the championship or anything, but I was just going to go there and uh, look to win it. And I was super pumped up and everything. And in practice, I literally, we show up, ready to go. I had been training for months for it. And then literally in practice, I was like, I was like four laps in and I made a dumb small mistake and I went down and it wasn't like a hard wreck by any means. Um, it was kind of high speed, but luckily it was pretty, the dirt was still pretty soft because it was early in the morning. Uh, so it did, I didn't get hurt or anything like that, but the way that I went down, it just slammed the bike into the ground the wrong way and, uh, destroyed the radiator. And the radiator is not an easy thing to fix or find a new one for at the race. So literally like that ruined the entire race. And we ended up leaving and just going home because there was nothing we could do. Like my bike was just done. 
So that was a massive bummer. And I'd been working really hard for it. And I was super excited for it. But I was like, I was very, very like upset internally about it. I was like, man, I really was looking forward to racing. Um, and all my buddies were there too. And, and it, it would have just been really, really cool. So I was definitely upset on the inside. But on the outside, I was still just staying calm. And I kept reminding myself, like, maybe, I don't know for a fact, but I'm going to choose to think this way. Maybe there was a reason why that happened and I shouldn't race today. Like, it's probably better that I didn't race today because who knows? Like, maybe it was just meant to be that I did not race. And interestingly enough, like I heard from a buddy of mine that the rest of the day, like it was a very weird day because a lot of people actually ended up getting hurt that day. And just a lot of like weird things happened um, and just a lot of mistakes. And some of the top guys, they wrecked and got hurt and a bunch of people got taken out with the ambulance and everything. So yeah. it was like, like I heard that from, and I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. So even my mom came up to me later that day and she was like, maybe it's a good thing you didn't race. And I was like, I've been thinking that since I got off the track from practice, like there's a reason and I'm in there's no way for me to know, but I'm going yeah. to choose to think that way because then it's right. a positive that I didn't race because it's like, who knows what could have happened. And to be honest, it might be a good thing that I didn't race. So I'm going to be glad that this happened and just keep moving forward and, and work hard for the next race. And then another example of that is uh, before I went to South Africa the first time, the whole reason I even went there was because I broke my collarbone in 2021. And it was funny because it was at this like just fun race. It was called the dealer cup. And it was just supposed to be kind of like this fun race where all the dealers get together and they nominate riders. And I was nominated by, I think uh, Fox, if I'm not mistaken. And um, basically like the dealers would nominate a rider to race for them and represent them. And it was just supposed to be like a cool, fun time, you know, no big deal, no high stakes, nothing like that. And literally my first race out, I first lap went down and the way I went down, I just hit my collarbone and it broke. And um, that was a massive, massive bummer. And I wasn't gonna be able to race the rest of the year. But literally as I was like getting getting off the track or getting um, taken off the track by like the, the medics and everything, I was just thinking in my head, like those thoughts were coming to mind of, I just ruined the rest of my year. Like I'm not gonna be able to race at Minios, which is the end of November, which is like mm. the second biggest race of the year. I'm not gonna be able to race there, like blah, blah. So all those things were coming to mind, but I was blocking those out with the fact that I was like, all right, something positive is going to come from this. I don't know what it is yet, but something is going to come from this that wouldn't have otherwise if this didn't happen. And interestingly enough, I broke my collarbone. So I wasn't able to race for the rest of the year, which gave me the perfect opportunity to go and fly down to South Africa, which I had been talking to my business partner about for a while. But the biggest problem was that my racing was getting in the way because racing is like a full year round thing. So there's not really a break for me to go down there. And if I was going to go down there, I was going to be down there for at least a month. So I was like, there was no time for it. But then that happened. And I all of a sudden had like four or five months that I wasn't even going to be able to do anything anyway. So I was like, this is the perfect time. So then I ended up going down there and it was one of the best experiences that I've ever had. So I just, uh, yeah, long story short, I choose to see the positive and everything, or at least believe that like something positive is going to come from this experience that most would have looked at as negative, but I just look at it and I'm like, all right, this was meant to happen and something's going to come from it 
that wouldn't have otherwise. So, and that's just the way that I look at things. And something positive always comes out of it. Like it's it's not very hard to see the positive in things if you actually look for it. It's amazing and so true. And, and I mean, it's so true. Like I really want to underscore that, that, that it's easy to get sucked into the drama. It's easy to get sucked into, you know, have you seen the news? Or you look at you look at social media yeah. and you know what grabs eyeballs is you know drama and trauma and oh, yeah. and it's like mm-mm. so the message of stay calm, the message of choose, like I'm a big one for choose. Um, my first book, choosing your power. It's like choose is so powerful. Choose to see the positive in any situation is a great, great. Uh, statement to make and a good tool to take with you. Um, something positive is going to come from this that wouldn't uh, have happened otherwise. Uh, just having that as kind of a, a rule to filter any situation with. It's yeah. like that's past, that's, you know, really, really, um, it's powerful. It's very powerful. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say powerful and awesome. And it was a, uh, what almost came out was really weird. So uh, it's 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 possum. Uh, it's powerful and awesome. That's really really good. Um, cool. So, do you have other social, or do you prefer people to find you on Instagram, Logan? Just on- Instagram. I'm just focusing on that at the moment. I'll yeah. probably have more socials in the future, but I think Instagram will always be my home base. It's just kind of my favorite platform and everything. So cool. that's where everything is. Yep, a lot of things spring from that, so that's cool. Uh, good, 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 good. Any, you know, we're we're in the last couple of minutes here. Anything else? Um, either tidbits of wisdom, or where people can find you, or the next big thing for you. Yeah, um, I mean, people could just find me at that Instagram, Logan underscore Lesser. But aside from that, no, I'm I'm excited because I like it was actually very recent that all of a sudden my plans have like shifted and I've gone from just wanting to build this massive agency and travel the world with that. I still want to travel the world, but now I'm like, I want to go all in on racing and become the best there is with and build this massive personal brand. And I'm, I'm very excited about it. And I've been working really hard these past few months and I'm going to continue um, planning to go to that race minios at the end of November. And it's like the second biggest amateur national, um, in the country of the year. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And I haven't, that'll be my first race in over a year. So, uh, which is interesting, wow. but just wow. going to get thrown to the wolves, but no, I'm, I'm excited for it. And I think I do genuinely think that I've got a superpower that most people don't, which is the power of my mindset and just being able to kind of understand how it works and be able to approach the race the right way and and be able to handle the pressure and the stress way better than anybody else. And I've got my my technique and my system for being able to get into the zone and get into that that flow state every time I ride and be able to show up and doesn't matter who else is there, just be able to ride my own race and and become one with the bike and everything like that. So no, I'm excited for that. And, uh, and yeah, and I mean, the biggest thing that I think people should definitely look into is mindset and just really learning as much as possible about it. 
and just uncovering that superpower. Because it is funny how most people don't have any control over their mindset, their emotions, their reactions to things. And it gives those who do massive upper hand in all areas. So I think it's the most powerful thing for sure. So, so true. And you're in the right place for that. Uh, so for our audience, wow, watch Logan Lesser on his on his climb. You said th- you're going to be thrown to the wolves. Uh, yeah. Every wolf pack needs a leader. And I think you're going to come out, you know, being that. So uh, looking forward to watching you, your future. I appreciate having you here. It's It's been really good, Logan. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And I enjoyed the conversation. I did, too. Thank you so much. All right. That was Logan Lesser, Logan underscore Lesser, L-E-S-S-A-R on, uh, find him on Instagram that way, Logan Lesser, Logan underscore Lesser on Instagram. Um, just amazing. So happy to to have had that conversation. Yeah. This is, definitely. yeah, definitely is right. That's so good. This <laughs> is one go sharp sword. <laughs> Say it again. Go ahead. Yes, we did make it the whole hour. We so did. Good. It's, that's right. That's awesome. All righty. Well, I'm I'm gonna close the show now. Here we go. This is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. My guest today, Logan Lesser. I am Dr. P. Dr. Wayne Purnell, the president of Dynamic Leader Incorporated and the Exponential Success Coach. We will see you here next time. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor.